Wednesday, September 8th, 2021. This is Messiah Matters number 357. I feel like it's Monday. My name is Caleb Haig. I feel like I got hit by a semi-truck. I have symptoms, what, consistent with the vid. The Delta. I'm Rob Van Hoff. I don't know. Maybe it's the mute. The Delta. Oh. I wonder if I should move my camera. Hang on. All right, there you go, people. You can tell it's a uh, it's a Monday to me. Look at my hair. Look at how bad that looks. <clears throat> Didn't even have time to do my hair for you guys. It's been a day and a half already. Uh, Torah Resource Institute started today, our fall 2021 quarter, but there's still time for you to sign up. So go to TorahResource.com right now and sign up for the classes that you want. And uh, yeah, we... Uh, We've got, let's just, I know some that are under my belt. We've got uh, first year Greek. Yes. It's not too late to yep. jump in. Yep. Um, second year Greek. Yep. You'd have to talk to me. So send Caleb a note or send me a note if you have some Greek under your belt and you want to join second year. Judaism. Um, Judaism's in the first century. Theological research and writing. Right. There's, a, there's all sorts of great stuff. And then uh, I know that between your dad and Ariel and Andre, we've got we've got a good uh, buffet, buffet yes. of options. Yes, yes, good. Yes, yes, it is good. All right, uh, so go sign up right now. Do it. You know you want to, and you should. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know you want. You to. know you want to. All right. Uh, I so I'm not going to lie to people. You know, a lot of the time we come on You're here, not? Oh. we're fully prepared, we're fully ready. This week, not so much. Uh, Rob and I have really had no time to talk. In fact, this is the first time that we've talked. Coming on live is the first time that we've talked this week. And normally, we have a planning session for our show, and we talk about it, and then I start preparing different clips and stuff like that. <clears throat> that did not happen this week. And the reason why is because we have... Over 50% of the time. That, over 50, that happens. Over 60% of the time, it works every time. Um, <laughs> okay, so... Uh, <laughs> Um, the thing is, is that it's, it was Yom Teruah. It was the festival of trumpets yesterday. And, uh, I had some, uh, so I have some insights on this. I, I had a couple of revelations this, uh, when I say revelations, I'm not attempting to say that I was spoken to by God or anything directly. What I mean is that I had a couple of aha moments. I had a couple of the, nice. uh, I had a couple of the light bulbs go on above the head. Before I, I was tell going to ask you about that because it's, it's I, concerning. I think that's why your hair <laughs> yeah, is the way it is. Exactly. Um, before I get into those, uh, why don't you be a part of the conversation and tell us what your light bulb moments have been uh, during this Yom Teruah, 253-465-3205. It's Messiah Matters wants to hear from you. Leave us a comment, a question or two. Call 253-465-3205. You can also send us an email, chagatorresource.com. Heg at torresource.com. It's C H E G G at torresource.com. I already told you to go to Tor Resource and sign up. And if you haven't done that yet, then what are you waiting for? I told you to do it. So go do it now. You can also find, uh, you can, you know, find... another, an, another benefit is not only the weekly parasha, yes, but you're in, you have an opportunity through the forums for your individual class as well as the forum for the weekly parasha, right. which is everybody to interact with people from all over the world. That's right. And who are like-minded, who are meditating on the same scriptural passages, and uh, there for the same reasons. So exactly, find um, past episodes, archived episodes. I just realized that I've been inputting all of our timestamps to YouTube wrong. 
So at some point, I'm going to have to go back and change all those. Anyway, uh, you can find them at messiahmatters.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this YouTube channel. Press the like button and the bell. The like button helps us and subscribing helps us even more. So go do that now because, you know, as soon, do that as soon as you're done signing up for classes. Do the signing up for classes first, then subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, in that order. Okay. Let's talk. Let's let's talk about Yom Teruah. Here, so here are my uh, here are my revelations. I don't like calling them. Right. Here are my light bulb moments from the LBMs. Yes, the the uh, yes, exactly. Um, so the other pastor at our uh, at our congregation was teaching on Yom Teruah and made the comment, and I and this was like, oh, hmm, oh, that all of the five major high holy days. Um. In the Torah, which would be Passover, Shavuot, Yom Teruah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. All the four of them have events that we look back to. Yom Teruah is the only one that doesn't have an event that we look back to. Now, let me let me expand on that. Now, I wrote an article on this actually yesterday morning as I was pondering this concept. So if you'd like to read my article, you can go to growingamessiah.com. That's uh, my wife and my uh, website, and it's posted there on the homepage. Anyway, um, so Passover looks back to the event of, uh, of the Exodus. And it also looks, obviously, back to the death, resurrection, and ascension of the Messiah. Shavuot looks back to the giving of the Torah at Sinai, uh, sanctification, right? And it also looks back at the, um, <laughs> yeah, Mike in the chat room. Hmm, who is the other pastor? It's Mike, by the way. Um, okay, so uh, Shavuot also looks back to uh, the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, right, in Acts 2. Then we move forward, and let's skip over Yom Teruah here for a few seconds. We'll go to Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur looks back to the uh, the Mishkan and the temple service. And it, once a year, the uh, priest would go in and give uh, the, the uh, sacrifice uh in the holy of holies you take the blood in and sprinkle it on the ark of the covenant so we're looking back to that event and then of course sukkot looks back to the wandering in the desert as the uh, israelites w- would live in uh su- sukkahs right or in uh temporary huts okay and it also i mean all of these look forward to as well but what does yom teruah look back to it doesn't look back to an event and so what Mike argued was that it looks forward to the second coming of the Messiah. The tr- and we see this throughout the apostolic scriptures. I think uh, it was at 1 Thessalonians 3, specifically is the one that talks about the trumpet being blasted at the second coming. And so that was really kind of a, hmm, interesting. The other thing that I realized <clears throat> is that we often say, well, you can't really celebrate the festivals because there's no temple, right? However... I don't think that's true anymore, and I'll tell you why. Because as covenant members, what is the requirement for a covenant member? Now, there is a time, the pilgrimage festivals you would go up, Passover is the one where you would actually bring an offering, right? So Passover, you bring your lamb, you give it to the priest, he gives it back to you, you have a lamb. Okay, but if you look at Shavuot, if you look at Yom Teruah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, Sukkot, you'd bring an offering too. But if you're too far away, what do you do? You take the money that you would have spent on the offering, you buy whatever you want, right? And if you live outside of the land, then it gets even more tricky because really those pilgr- then you don't have to pilgrim- pilgrimage to Jerusalem. 
So in all of those, the individual doesn't bring an offering. The priest brings an offering, but we're not priests. So what is our obligation? Our obligation for, let's say, Yom Teruah is to hear this blast of the shofar and to be joyful. That's it. That's the obligation according to the Torah for someone who's not a priest. And therefore, as covenant members, we can fulfill our portion of that of that festival, even without a temple. Thoughts? Nope. <laughs> nope. I'm good. You're done. I'm good. All right. Fair I'm enough. Good. No, it's good. Good. Good food for thought. Anyway, uh, I was reminded also that the Lord is extremely faithful to His covenant. In fact, and we're going to talk a little bit more about covenant here in a few minutes. Um, but I am more and more convinced that uh, that I mean it's all about covenant, right? It's all about covenant. Uh, love is bigger in the chat room says, but what about the releasing of servants? The seventh month is the head of the year, and where is Shemitah sabbatical? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how that uh, relates to the to what we were talking about. Looking forward, maybe is that part of what they mean? I don't know. I, I'm not looking in the chat room. Yeah, I mean, we don't have uh, we don't have bond servants or slaves today, so you wouldn't release your servants anyway, right? I mean, if you have an indentured slave in your house, then by all means, maybe you should let them go. If like if we were in ancient Israel, and I mean, we see this in Jeremiah, right, where they released their slaves and then they went and grabbed them back, right? Uh, <laughs> but if you were a slave and you knew you were coming into the Jubilee year, you would look forward all year long, right? I mean, right. you'd be looking forward to the Jubilee every day, maybe for many years, but once, you know, at, back to what Mike's point was, when you hear that, the Yom Teruah blast, that is like, that's like, we're here finally, you know? Yep. Yeah. Like, like it's a, it's a big mark. And so I think there would be anticipation all along, but then, you know, it's like when they turn the lights out, maybe at a concert or something, I don't know. So light the opposite. Cecil in the chat room says light bulb moment. The more I learn, the less I actually know. Oh my word. So I decide I'm going to take some classes. I'm taking a class. And, and then I, I think to myself before I jump into, you know, like the hard classes, maybe I should take something that I'm really familiar with so that it'll be light and easy. Right. And that way, because my wife's, you know, we got, we got a growing family. Anyway, I got three kids running around already. Yada, yada, yada. Anyway, point being, I decide I'm going to take an easy load. I'm only going to take one class. I'm going to take uh, intro to the Old Testament. I know the Old Testament pretty well, right? Not a problem. This will be a breeze. Dude, I am drowning in inf <laughs> information. I still have to read like 100 pages this week. I'm just, oh. And uh, yeah, but I am learning a ton. It makes me realize I know nothing. I know absolutely nothing. Why are you guys even listening to this show? Okay, anyway, let's let's... Let's move. Let's move on. Rob's got, uh, Rob's got, uh, you know, he, he's, he's got the illness, whatever that illness may be. He's not going to show up on the numbers, I, I hope. Um, we're going to keep him at home. But the point is, is that he's had a lot of time to, to sit and listen. 
and as he, the night when I cannot sleep. And and where does his hurts. where does his listening go to? Jordan Peterson, of course. Jordan Peterson just had a new video. If you do not know who Jordan Peterson is, I will give you a very very quick rundown. Jordan Peterson came to prominence recently in uh, the, at the University of Toronto because he was a psych psychologist uh, uh, professor, and uh, he. A lot of people think that he's like uber religious. He's not. In fact, I think his new found ideas of religion have come recently. Uh, with all that said, he uh, pushed against a law that the Canadian government was trying to make about regulating uh, speech, um, predominantly pronouns of people, and making... Uh, employees of the university use specific pronouns. He pushed mandatory, against, yeah, mandatory, man- coerced speech. Yeah, and he pushed against this, and and this uh, ignited him into this catapulted him into um, into stardom among conservatives and those who are anti. Well, anti a bunch of stuff. The funny thing is, is that I don't think I think that uh, I think that Peterson is not necessarily the large conservative that a lot of people think that he is. I have read a significant portion of his book, uh, the one uh, I forget exactly what it's called, to be honest with you. Um, but he he gives some very good uh, he gives some very good advice to people. You know, clean your room is one of them to men. And basically, I think that this just goes back to this. You're you're muted, brother. Caleb translates that to clean your office. Yes, well, not obviously not, obviously Me too. not. Me too. Um, but the the point is, is that Peterson is uh, a, a a brilliant mind who talks about psychology. Now he had Dennis Prager on with uh, Adam Carolla, and Dennis Prager is a. Uh, now I don't know Dennis Prager very well and his stuff. Am I right to understand that he is a reformed Jew or a conservative Jew? Is he a conservative Jew? Once again, you're muted. I can't hear you. I'm doing that just in case I have to clear my throat or something. I don't want to blow everybody away. Uh, I don't know what he, if he would be reform or conservative. I know that he's not a believer. Let's just put it that way. Well, and he's not he's not what we would call orthodox. Oh, right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, um, so Jordan Peterson and Dennis Prager are now talking about religion in the last half an hour of their of this two hour special. Rob is laying in bed listening to it and a couple of things ding off in the uh, corrections on the couch. Oh, sorry. On the couch. <laughs> Yikes, brother. Um, anyway, Bed's so way, bed feels way too soft right now. I need something a little more firm. <laughs> Yikes, dude. Yikes. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so uh, that's the setup. Now you kind of know. And honestly, if you haven't watched Jordan Peterson, I, I think he's very fun to watch just because he is in a realm that I don't think too, you don't think of too many psychiatrists being like in the in in the limelight and doing debates and stuff like that. But he's, he's done well at it anyway. Okay. So this is, uh, so the, the reason I, this was interesting on my YouTube clickbait was, I was like, you know what? That's interesting because Dennis Prager, uh, has said some things historically that I think misrepresent faith in Messiah misrepresent quote Christianity. Right. And he has promoted something called Judaism as if it is the religion that goes all the way back to Moses. And that's always bothered me. And I, I'm a, but you know what? 
for 20 years, whenever, you know, I've, have often listened to his radio show and if I'm driving and catch an interview. So, you know, I've known Dennis Prager for easy for 20 years. Um, but I haven't listened to him solidly, but I've been aware of him. He's been on my radar and I've checked in with him time to time, but I've always had, you know, from the get go, I've been like, okay, how does he represent the gospel? Even though he doesn't believe it, does he represent it accurately? And uh, because he, says he he puts it on the table that clarity is one of his highest values is like he wants clarity and so i've always said okay is he really does he practice what he preaches does he practice what he preaches when he comes to this or is he uh biased against the gospel exactly i think he's biased against the gospel with peterson similarly um you know he's been on the stage for the last several five years or so as caleb said um and uh yeah, when but Peterson but, talks about religion. I f- it's the same thing. He's coming from a framework of of the uh, psychological, you know, psycho psychoanalytic view of like Carl Jung and. I think and, that yeah, uh, I think that that the uh, handicap that that uh, Peterson has is that he has never been in the space of religion in in a deep meaningful way. In other words, he's never. He's been so focused on it. Well, if so, he doesn't out of disclose his lane. it. It's yeah, out of well, his lane. No, but there's no. a degree he doesn't disclose. Okay, but that's fair. But at the same time, the way that he talks about religion, it to me says that he has not spent a significant. He has not dived into into faith in any way, shape, or form, like the way he has into psychology. Oh, oh right, 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 right. So it's that, out a of, great example would be exactly. This is why, like, if if. If someone wants to watch Peterson, I'll say, well, watch his stuff about free speech and how the left uh, tries to is going to try to control everybody. I think his stuff um, on Nazi but, Germany is, is is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his stuff on on totalitarianism and and the, the, the his reason, re- stuff on religion, I'm misses like, the mark. Don't, yeah. yeah, don't don't put a lot into that. But the reason um, that Peterson does so well in in uh, in in uh, his studies on on Germany and and uh, some of the regimes like that is because he hypothesizes. I know that this isn't the point of the show, but he hypothesizes that most people today would become part of Nazi would become a Nazi if it happened again. And the reason why is because we as humans uh, naturally want to be part of the in crowd. Yeah, yeah. In in a way of the two, I think Peterson would be quicker to to adopt or grasp the doctrine of total depravity before yes. yeah. before Prager would. Absolutely. Okay, Prager's going to be all free will, man is good, and all you have to do is choose. Yep. And we'll hear some of that right okay. now. Let's listen to the first. By the way, so uh, Caleb, what, was it 7 a.m.? I email you and say, hey, bud. Here's a YouTube link. I literally didn't. I did. I literally didn't even see it and uh, like and listen to it until about nine o'clock. So, so I get an email back from Caleb says I'll grab some clips. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so this is for. It's more fresh on on Caleb's mind than it is on mine. I've had a, maybe a couple more hours of of, <laughs> of mulling time. it over. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Let's let's all listen to it fresh together. Here we go, guys. And uh, that is what gave us everything. Let's put it this way: no Torah. Uh, no Bible, no Christianity, no Islam. So, in, in a sense, I got a I got a better case for the Torah's divinity than anything else because everything else is predicated on the divinity of the Torah. 
Hang on, I want to stop right here already. Yeah, go ahead. You first, and I have two. Okay. So I, I tend to agree with him in the fact that the Torah is the benchmark by everything. It's the touchstone that everything else needs to be judged by. The problem is, is that he thinks that he's got a handle, a better handle on the Torah than, say, the Christians do. And in many ways, he might be right as, as we look at overall Christianity. This is actually one of the things that Dr. Betts, who I've spent a lot of time with recently, ha- uh, hits home on is that that uh, Christianity has really dropped the ball in terms of the Old Testament, quote unquote. But the fact of the matter is, is that if if we frame Christianity as uh, with the Torah as the touchstone, then everything falls directly into place. Go ahead, Rob. Um, thank you for that. That's a really good point. Um, what one thing that is he's kind of sweeping under the rug is if we go back 2000 years, we still, no, actually there still are Samaritans. Samaritans have a Torah of Moses. Right. And it's not the same Torah that Prager's talking about. Right. And for the Samaritans, they're going to say, yeah, the Torah is the foundation of everything. So they're going to agree on all these terms, but then all of a sudden Prager's going to have to go, oh, wait, what I mean by the Torah is the Davidic and prophetic tradition that came after it and is inseparable from it. And and then you get into the scribes that transmit the Torah, and then you get into the differentiation between the Qumran Essene viewpoint versus the Pharisaic viewpoint. So that's a really all good point. this nuance. Yeah. Plug, Judaism's first century. Um, if you haven't done Caleb's <laughs> Caleb's uh, what was that exhortation <laughs> to go sign up, do it now. Yeah, right. where so are you at? Go, is, go. What are you doing? The point go is, too, is, though, <laughs> is, it, is this acceptable? Because basically what they do is here's a timeline of history. The Torah comes, then the New Testament. They skip the prophets and the writings. and go, then the New Testament, and then is uh, the Quran. Okay, so now you have this timeline. It's like, oh, okay, these all came later. Therefore, what's earlier is foundational. But it... That is an oversimplification. A because it it makes it 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 uh, obscures the question from being asked. Oh, is the Quran a revelation in continuity with everything that was prior? So obviously you can't do that. Dennis Prager will cannot affirm the Quran as a revelation from God. He, he's unable to do that. And somewhere in this, I don't know if it's in a clip that we'll hear today, but he's, Prager says, I do not believe in Jesus Christ. But the Christians do the world uh, a work of God by taking the Torah to the nations. That's his, his position. So uh, anyway, I, I would say if we're going to use timeline, what we say is creator, right. fall, right, right? creator, creator of man in God's image, the fall, and then the path of redemption. Well, the and then the, of redemption. Yeah, and then it starts instantaneously, uh, instantaneously, promise, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so covenant. By, by, so this, this idea of a timeline and historical evolution of idea from Torah to the New Testament to the Quran, I reject that as a straw man thing. It's, it's really unhelpful. It, it's so, not going to help you think clear. So it's against clarity. So uh, it's against clarity, which is it, which is a supposedly a value that Prager has. So in the chat room, love is bigger is a uh, is confused on how Prager connects the Torah to the Quran. 
that's quite simple, actually. The uh, Islam suggests that, uh, you know, they would say that the Torah is one of their holy books. It's not on par with the Quran, but it came but first. the Jews have corrupted it. Yeah, the Jews have corrupted it. it. The, the, the and claim the, in, in, the, in the Muslim tradition is that it's corrupted. So is the New Testament. But that's what they say came first, and then the New Testament, and then right. they say that the prophet who is greater than than Moses is is uh, Muhammad, who comes and gives the uh, the, the final uh, the and the final pure, and, perfect. and pure and perfect testament. And so ultimately, the Islam they actually lay claim to the Torah and to the New Testament, for that matter. In oh, fact, yeah, yeah. In fact, when I when I uh, the last time I deb debated, I shouldn't say debated. The last time I talked to a uh, a Muslim in depth was actually in a Fred Meyer book section as I was looking at Bibles. Nonetheless, he said, oh, no, no, I accept the New Testament. <laughs> and I said, it's well... Like, no, you don't. No, well, no, you don't. well, and he asked me who I thought Jesus was, and I said, I think Jesus is God. He said, oh, no, no, that's a problem. I said, well, it's not if you believe in the New Testament. Exactly. Good. Well played. You know, we know from the, the Dome of the Rock that I've been immersed in the inscriptions. I don't do read Arabic, but inscriptions that are on the Dome of the Rock in the earliest strata. So we're talking the 7th century, 8th right. century. Uh, because this is the context of the Jewish scribes in Tiberias is this Muslim ruling the Holy Land. Well, uh, the polemics in the, the inscriptions at the Dome of the Rock are not anti-Jewish, they're anti-Christian. They're saying, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus, the son of Mary, the Messiah. But God has no son. And that the Christians are mistaken. That, that he's not the son of God, that he died, and that he'll resurrect on the resurrection day, and that he's a, a prophet, right? So so even in the, the one of the most, now it's not the most holy site in, in Islam, but it is a major holy site is the, the temple, what we call the Temple Mount, right? The Dome of the Rock um, is engraved in the actual architecture is this messaging that why or how Islam differentiates, claims Jesus as the Messiah, son of Mary, right? but rejects... It rejects his divinity. The, yeah, but rejects the New Testament, right? So... Um, and and it, so th there's something else that, I mean, we can see this, uh, the same kind of perversion happens uh, much more subtly, um, but it happens even in... So, for instance, we were talking about this at uh, our church the other day. Um, it, happens, it happens in Mormonism. Right. So the Mormons will say, oh, yeah, no, no, we totally accept the Bible. We accept we accept the Torah. We accept the, you know, the Old Testament. We accept the New Testament. But then they <laughs> then they say that there is a that there is a better testament. They say that the Book of Mormon is 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 more legitimate than the Bible. And if you read Joseph Smith's notes on Matthew 5, 17, he says that the the Old Testament has been done away with. Yeah, he just. Yeah. <clears throat> so. You have the same thing going on in Mormonism that you do in Islam, which is they say, oh, no, 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 we accept it, but it's 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 corrupt. It's not good. So we have we Therefore, have something it's better. another gospel. Yeah, it's another guy. We have something better. It, it, it's it's a yeah. OK, okay. so let's keep going. Uh, it, it, the, uh, do you know Muhammad, Muhammad fasted on Yom Kippur? OK, so then you you make a case in some sense, I would say an implicit case that anti-Semitism, for example, 
is a marker of deviation from the path of the Torah, but the path that runs, what, from the Torah through Christianity and through Islam as well? Um, I mean, because your, your point is it's, it's the fundamental text out of which these other, uh, other systems grew. Anti-Semitism is ultimately the hatred of the Jews for bringing a judging God into the world. People don't want to be judged. Hang on. Well, that's understandable, you know, that people, <laughs> although the problem is, is if you dispense... I, I love that comment. You can hear the wheels turning in Peterson's mind. There's this long pause and he goes, yeah, that's understandable. Like, no one wants to be judged. Hang on, let's listen to it. People don't want to be judged. Pause. Well, that's understandable, you know, that people, although the problem is, is if you dispense with judgment, you also dispense with value and you dispense with. Right. It's a big right. problem. That's it, why it, it, I, I, I've been very annoyed. <laughs> yeah, it's a big problem. It is. I, I've been very, I tell my Christian friends, and you don't get a more pro-Christian, uh, non-Christian than me in, in contemporary life. But I, I tell them you, you blew it with just talking about God as love. It's, it's not, yeah, well, you know, Carl Jung said something interesting message. about that, you know, because the Christ... That Hang on just a sec. I want to stop here, and the reason why is because I think Prager actually hits the nail on the head with something here. One of the reasons that you have progressive Christianity today and such liberal Christianity today, you know, when you look at things like, what is it, the United Methodist, or when you look at, like, uh, you know, the Lutheran, the, the modern, uh, I don't even know what denomination of Lutheran it is, you know, they're ordaining LGBTQ trans, you know, trans bishops now in the in the uh, Lutheran church. You got, you know, all sorts of stuff. You got churches that are affirming um, children being trans. You got all this yeah, stuff. But, but, going that, but that is not unique to Christianity. You could find. OK, I understand uh, that. But, but liberal Jewish communities that have exactly. OK, the same. I, I completely I completely agree with what you're saying. However, how do these denominations Look at the Bible, say we believe in Jesus, read something like Revelation where he comes with a sword and a, a two-edged sword and just slaughters, okay? And then say, well, we're, we're going we're gonna to allow all these LGBTQ people to be not only in the community and members of the community and baptize them into the community, but we're going to let them be leadership in the community. How does that happen? I think that that happens from a fundamental misunderstanding of, of biblical love. Biblical love always pu pushes a person towards Christ and the truth of the covenant. And the right. truth of the covenant is condemning. The covenant condemns. If, if Prager, and this is my point back to clarity, I'm disappointed that Dennis Prager, and this is 20 years ago probably, I heard him say this on the radio. He said what it, that he rejects in the New Testament where it says God is love. Say, almost the same thing. And it's a, a shorthand now. It's It's really quick. For him to be able to it's right there in his pocket to pull out whenever he wants to and i think that it's disingenuous because right. if he was really about clarity he would pause there and he would look at the context and then if he saw christians living contrary to that he would say uh he would tell christians look i'm not a christian but if this is look at the context where God is love, you have to understand love in terms of a condemnation right. of evil. Yes. Right? I mean, because the same the same passage from 1 John, where it says God is love twice, talks about Cain, who's a son of the evil one, who slaughtered his brother, yeah. and that you can't love God and hate, and that 
to abide in God's love is to abide in God. And that's and so the context also is Yeshua's teaching, which they do talk about here because Jordan Peterson, he has the higher voice, the higher, faster voice here for right. those who don't know where Prager has the deeper, uh, richer uh, voice. Um, Peterson says one of his favorite passages is where they ask Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Is there a hermeneutic that overrides all? And they agree. Yeah, it's love, love God and love your neighbor. Love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. They don't actually pause enough for Prager to actually defend that. He has to accept every, it's funny here. Every time Peterson cites Jesus in this interview, Prager agrees with the teaching. But then Prager, when it comes to God is love, that's like a rock in his shoe. And he has failed to uphold his standard of seeking clarity, because if he did, he would read 1 John and he would understand that sin is one of the biggest issues. It's one of the most repeated words in 1 John is the issue of sin and forgiveness. Right. And and God doesn't tolerate sin. And that and it talks about lying versus truth. I mean, I again. And also one other point, and then we move on, is defining anti-Semitism the way he does, that it's hatred of Jews for bringing a judgmental God into the world. I I reject that because Islam has a judgmental God. Yeah. Right? And so so uh, that's I, I don't see that as getting any traction whatsoever. I'm just going to let I you. Think, go ahead. I think in the first century, if there's any anti-Semitism, it was anti. It was Romans who hated Christians. Why? Because the Christians were doing something that the Mediterranean synagogues were not doing, right. which is telling the Romans that they were that they were idolaters. You have the it's the apostles that are going from synagogue to synagogue throughout the Mediterranean, right? And what are they saying? Repent. <clears throat> Those are idols. Worship the true God. So, it, what the 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 hatred of the message of a judging God, if he's going to call that anti-Semitism, then anti-Semitism is hatred of the gospel. Right. <clears throat> that's in, that's what, my point. What's interesting is that if, okay, so I've, I've Again, just... Again, I'm disappointed in Prager's lack of, of I, clarity here. I've just read through the book of Ruth, okay? And it's interesting because you have the book of Judges and all these people are doing what they think is right. Boy, now. we should get that Bible book out of the Bible. Judges, <laughs> yeah, I mean, judges. gosh. But all these people Isn't are... Isn't there the book of love? <laughs> <laughs> it's it, but, but, okay, but actually that's interesting that you say that because Judges is juxtaposed to Ruth. In the beginning of Ruth, what does it say? It says during the time of the judges. Yeah, the time, yeah. So at the end of the at the end when of the judges, judges judged. Yeah. yeah, at the end of the judges, it says, and everyone was doing what was right in their own eye. <laughs> and it's bad. And it is bad. It's not not it, it things are not and going that's well. That's a tie down throughout the book of Judges. He right. comes back over. Oh, he and says over again. I think Every he says it four times. Worse. Yeah, Each time it's worse and worse and worse. <laughs> yeah, and then the Civil War happens, right? At the end of Judges, the dude cuts his, his concubine up into a bunch of pieces oh, and, and sends it sends her to, to the different tribes. And what yeah. happens? God, and it's interesting because in the book of Judges, who's one of the key figures in the book of Judges? The Holy Spirit, which is really, really interesting to me. But basically, the Holy Spirit then comes and says, no, this isn't this isn't working anymore. We're gonna go and we're gonna declare civil war against Benjamin, right? And so all the all the tribes come up and they slaughter the people of Benjamin. And this is how the book of Judges ends up kind of coming to a close, right? 
Okay, so then what happens? You know what? I have. To, can I tell you a joke? Okay. Um, when did the Moabites become so mean? I told my family this the other day, and they're just oh, no. there was no laughter. When did the Moabites I, become I, oh, wait, so hey, mean? I feel a dad joke coming on like nobody's when business. When they became ruthless, <laughs> dude. When. <laughs> They became ruthless. <laughs> Tell your kids that one. I made that up the other day. Now, maybe someone else has thought of that before, but uh, <laughs> ruthless. Ruth was the only th- good so thing. So when did the Moabites going. become so bad? Is that so mean? So mean. So horrible. Okay. When they became ruthless. Oh boy. See, Caleb's preparing to tell the joke. He's. Re- <laughs> I'm going to tell my teacher that one. Because my teacher's probably going to, he'll love, anyway, okay. Okay, cool. Okay, so so the point here is, is then, then what happens at the end of, of Judges? We move into Ruth. And what does it say? In the beginning of Ruth, it says, during the time of the Judges. So what does it show us? It shows us that even though everyone is doing, like, it's not a blanket statement. There are still people who are doing what is right in the sight of the Lord. And here's one of the really hard pills to swallow, is that Ruth, being, she needs a kinsman redeemer. Why? Because she's essentially, and I know this is going to perk some ears up, she's essentially uh, allotted among the property of her of her dead husband. In other words, Boaz says, I can't be the kinsman redeemer unless I offer to this other guy first. And the other guy says, I don't want that property. So if I accept that property, I don't get my inheritance. So you take it. And then Boaz, Boaz he goes and he gets, he, yes, he gets Ruth as a wife, but what else does he get? All of the property that comes along with her. And so we have this dichotomy in the book of Ruth, which is it shows God's love and his faithfulness to the covenant, even even in times when the nation of Israel is at its worst. At the same time, it shows that God's law goes against our, our social acceptance right now. Anyway, okay. People love your joke, by the way. Uh Victoria says COVID brain Rob <laughs> old yes, joke, it, but just as good. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, other people have heard it then. That's good. Okay. Okay. Um, let's keep going with, uh, there's 38 seconds left. I don't know if, the, if there's anything left in this clip for us to really hear. Let's listen to it. Presented in the gospels is a, a figure, I suppose, particularly characterized for his mercy. But in the book of revelation, he comes back as a judge and virtually everyone fails the judgment. And Jung's comment was, any ideal is a judge. And so if you don't tell I, the whole story of the... Uh, so the question is, do we need ideals? And, you know, I would say, to some degree, part of the critique of the radical mm-hmm. left is that ideals themselves are discriminatory. And there's actually truth in that. that ideals yeah, are discriminatory. Okay, that's the yeah, end of this it. Is- yeah, this is a good point because, and this is why I was intrigued to hear them talk about the Bible, is because Peterson's going to ask, he's going to challenge. So basically, he's like, if you don't tell the whole story, right? And he's saying, the, in other words, the passage, God is love, needs to be read in the context of the apostolic writings as a whole. And and then, so, and then you have Prager saying, absolutely, right? So now... Part of it, maybe he's saying absolutely to the the idea of Carl Jung saying that every ideal has a judge. Maybe that's it. But he says it right in concert with 
with the return of Christ in the book of Revelation as as a judge. So anyway. Okay, we got another clip here. Let's uh, let's okay. move on to the second clip. There's a line of Christian thinking, I would say. And, and Northrop Fry, I think, a Canadian critic who wrote some great books on the Bible. You might be familiar with Fry. He wrote Words with Power, and there's a second volume, um, and, which I can't bring to mind at the moment. But he thought about the, the Torah as the, the story of the sequential rise and failure of the state, and that the New Testament was a consequence of the emergence of the idea that salvation was to be found through the individual and not through the state. Okay, hang on just a sec. I want to stop right here. And the reason why is because I agree with what Peterson is saying at, in in general, that the Torah is the... Uh, we're talking about a, a chosen people of God for a specific reason. What is that specific reason? It is to shine forth God's commands and his covenant ultimately to shine forth who God is, right? And so this is what the, the nation of Israel is supposed to do. And we see a national level of what's going on in the Torah. However, even Paul said, talks about the remnant. From the very beginning, there's a remnant. So although we're looking at a national story play out about a national people, about a people group that God has chosen, ultimately we still see the individualistic nature of the covenant. And we see that in Abraham. We see it in Moses. We see it in all of the patriarchs. We see it in uh, King David. We see it in his son, Solomon. Right? So, I mean, with he's right that this it is a story about a national uh, identity and, and a national covenant. But wrapped up in that is the individualistic covenant uh, nature of God and his people. Right. It's not one or the other. The, now, I, I don't read Northrop Fry or anything like that, but it still is embedded on a, co- a continuum, that there's a continuum of evolutionary religious thought that starts with the Torah and ends with the Gospels. And uh, so even Peterson suggesting this means Peterson still coming from a worldview. And he, at some point he says the Old Testament. So Peterson still sees this as a one unit and Prager, every time he gets a chance, needs to dislodge the gospel as part of a uh, part of the revelation. Right. So that's one of the things that's going on behind the scenes between their, their discussion. All right, let's keep going. And that seemed to me to be uh, parallel with the tension in the old Testament between the prof- between dogma and the prophets so so is it is it the case and is there a difference between in between Judaism and Christianity with regards to the degree to which the state is seen as a as the primary mode of redemption and is that tangled up with the conflict in Israel well there are a lot of issues that that are tangled in one first of all you should know that salvation plays a minimal role in Judaism and, and, and uh, I know biblical Hebrew very well, and I cannot think of even the term salvation. Um, let's think of a term salvation in the Hebrew language. Could it be Yeshua? Yeah, this is. I, this was a mouth drop moment. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, he just said he 
I don't. Did he say expert or biblical Hebrew? You I mean, he listen, just touted his again? own skill. Hang on. Well, you should know that salvation. Play- well, there are a lot of issues that, that are entangled in one. First of all, you should know that salvation plays a minimal role in Judaism. And, and uh, I know biblical Hebrew very well, and I cannot think of even the term salvation. Okay, let me ask you, Caleb. Yeah. Is there anybody in, in your dad's or Andre's first year Hebrew class that gets to the end of the first year and probably do, and doesn't know that word? Well, I mean... This, is, am this I being is, am I being too? This is an obvious. This is an. Uh, he's. It's not that he doesn't know the word. I think this is an obvious. Uh, he wants he, to. He wants to differentiate yeah. as much as he can. He wants to downplay. Right. He, and this again. This. So I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. Now, to be fair, Prager was. This was a spontaneous question in front of him. Yeah, but they keep talking right? about Jesus. Jesus is the is the English form of the Greek Jesus, which is the Greek form of Yeshua. I mean, come on, yeah. Are you yeah, telling he will me save their people from their sin? Yeah. yeah, you don't you don't know a word for salvation in 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 Hebrew. Yeah, yeah uh, right. I mean, come on. Yeah, I, I like it. I did a, a Robin the Rock video on this many months ago in Genesis forty nine, where Jacob is blessing his sons. All of a sudden, he pauses. And he says, oh, Lord, I wait for your salvation. Right. Right. And then he goes back to, and it's like, what's going on? Why would Jacob all of a sudden say, Lord, I, I look and wait your salvation? It, again, especially someone who's published a best-selling commentary on, I think he's done Genesis and Exodus so far. Um, and he claims to know biblical Hebrew, which I don't doubt he has skill in biblical Hebrew, but I'm really disappointed again. Well, so the chat room <clears> says that we just need to say in terms of of, of Prager's claim that uh, he can't think of a biblical word for uh, salvation. The lie detector test determined that was a lie. <laughs> Let's keep going. Yeah, I just, I, I want I want to attribute good intentions. You know what I mean? I, and so Peterson says, well, it's either incompetence or malevolence. And he's going to go to incompetence first. Like you actually hit a person's level of incompetence. Or they know that they're they're misleading. And I, because I like Prager for a lot okay. of other reasons. Uh, look, I'll tell you what. Hang on just a sec. I, I, confession time, okay? Now, I screwed up from the pulpit the other day. And I said, I, we were talking about the coming, the coming Messiah prophesied in the Tanakh. And, and I messed up and said that Christos, no, wait, what did I say? Hang on. I said, Kurios meant Christ in Greek. Okay. Now, Kurios does not mean Christ in Greek. It means Lord. And I know this. I've taken Rob's Greek class. I know Greek well enough to know that Kurios does not mean Christ in Greek. Right. But then somebody raised their hand and said, okay, so then what is Christos? Is that the Latin form of Christ? Now, because I'd already said Kurios, for some reason my brain did not compute what was happening. And I just said, Christos, yeah, that must be Latin. Yeah, it's Latin. It's the Latin form of, of Christ. So I understand people can can screw up. That's a pretty big screw up, especially from the pulpit, well, right? And I had to correct right. that. But imagine you're a what a New York Times bestseller for <laughs> how many years, how many okay. books, thirty years, and you're and you're publishing 
a best-selling commentary on the Torah. And you're telling people that you are really good with biblical Hebrew. Okay. So you're not doing any of those things. You're doing your best to teach the word of God. So I, I appreciate your your uh, all I'm you saying know, is that may, I, all I'm saying is that maybe Prager screwed up. Maybe he got off air and he said, "Of course, Yeshua." What was I thinking? Yeah, it could. I, let's. I would like to grant him that. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's keep going with his with his comments here. Uh, second, yeah, it seems to be more like the promised land. Well, Judaism is earthbound. Uh, uh, it, it, there's a belief, a tremendous belief in the afterlife, but it plays minimal role in the Torah because as soon as you start focusing on the afterlife, the fear is that you won't focus on this life. And and Judaism. Oh my goodness. Can we stop there? First of all, he is he the final voice of what Judaism is? Because the ultra orthodox who read in Hebrew and the Aramaic rabbinic traditions and are immersed in the halakhic intensity of life, believe in reincarnation. Right. The reason it's, quote, earthbound is because they want to make, they want to fulfill, do as much tikkun olam as they can so that they don't come back as a weasel or a frog. Right. Or or the Passover fish. And that's what somebody in, in Israel said to me. You don't want to come back as the Passover fish. Okay, so so the the point is it, again, it's disingenuous because the the heavy weight of the of the observant, which I would say, if I was going to just come as an outsider and say, "Where's the true Judaism?" I wouldn't go to Prager. Right. I would go to the people that are living intentional communities with with uh, and are defending the bulk of the tradition, the bulk of the legal tradition. What are they saying? How did they represent their religion? Right. Um, I okay. wouldn't go to Prager. Yeah, let's keep going. Because as soon as you start focusing on the afterlife, the fear is that you won't focus on this life. And and Judaism is extremely this life focused. Secondly, this is a very important is. point. And it's actually the, the, my biggest single reason for my adoration of the Torah and Judaism. It's the only religion that divides the world between good and evil and not between believer and non-believer. Okay, this is totally awesome. untrue. What? Well, wait a minute. Why? So he just says that his adoration of the Torah is due to a rational evaluation of its claims. So we have to remember that from, from being in Messiah, what we call this theologically is uh, Prager's teaching the Bible from a perspective of an unregenerated heart. Right. He's no different than Nicodemus right. before Yeshua came to him. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's 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 gonna Yeshua's gonna say things that's gonna make him stumble and it's gonna undermine everything he's teaching. If it and the more he gives weight to Yeshua's words, the more he is gonna unravel the garment that he's covering himself with. Yep. Called Judaism. Okay, let's keep going. Which is a newer, right? When he, just to clarify, when he's using this word Judaism, he's not talking about first century right. uh, Pharisees. He's talking about a more Modern, recent re yeah. Uh, religion, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's developed since then. So right, we, right. So that's that's that seems to me, from a psychological perspective, as a as a move towards a further abstraction. Well, it's not a psychological issue; it's a moral issue. The God, That's fine. In our view, God does not divide the world between Jew and non-Jew, or believer and non-believer. But 
That's not true. Modern Judaism does divide the, the world between Jew and non-Jew. You have to become Jewish if you want to be in. So he's wrong on that. Hang on. Let's listen again. That's fine. In our view, God does not divide the world between Jew and non-Jew or believer and non-believer, but between good people and bad people. There is none good. There is none good. And that's well, the, right. that's okay, that's so, what he's so missing. Exactly. Well, what, what Prager's presenting as what we believe is he's saying this is what, quote, Judaism, capital J, believes. And it's not true. Maybe there are some, obviously there are some Jews who believe that. He himself would be representative of those. But back again to those Jews that are Orthodox, they're going to divide the world into Jew and sons of Noah. And the sons of Noah are going to be judged by the seven laws of Noah. And, And that is it. There is no no becoming, you know, no new birth, no becoming children of God. Um, so, yeah, this is, this again was disappointing. And of course, uh, I think, I don't know if it was before the show or earlier in, in our show, I suggested to Caleb that Prager, of the two, Prager would be the last to accept uh, the, the doctrine of, of total depravity, right, the doctrines right, right. of grace, right, right. because he's going to affirm free will left and right and rationality. I mean, his Bible commentary is called the rational Bible. It's all about evaluating the claims and then, and then coming to the right conclusion based on the claims. Uh, it's not new birth. We got 22 well, seconds Peterson, left. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Well, Peterson would be way quicker. I think Peterson has a much lower view of humanity as right. Caleb mentioned before. I mean, he talks about how, you know, if it was today, if we were in Stalinist Russia, you know, most people think, oh, I wouldn't become a bad guy. And they don't realize that uh, they would, in fact, you know, statistically, um, unless you are extremely ideologically oriented and motivated, you're going to join the crowd. Let's listen to this last 22 seconds. The to- God sends good uh, good non-Jews to there heaven no, there are no and good. bad Jews to hell. There is none good. That's why Jews uh, Jews welcome converts but never sought them because you don't have to be a Jew to be saved. But you do have to be a Muslim and you do have to be a Christian. Yeah, this is, I mean, honestly, he's he's, he's definitely twisting this. Yeah, and the fact that he says elsewhere that, oh, I've interviewed rabbis and pastors and, and ministers and and uh, what do you call it, Catholic priests and Muslims for 30 years. I'm like, and this is such a simplistic, I mean, Caleb, would a first year theology student be able to write a paper with this type of? No, of course not. You'd flunk. It's like you'd flunk. Yeah. And so I respect Prager. I mean, he learned Russian. He went to Russia many times. He's, He's very well educated on a lot of the same things that that but it, Peterson is educated on. But it shows it shows that he has no, like if you're missing He's not born again. If, yeah, He's exactly. Clearly, you, clearly not born again. If, if you're if you're missing half the story, then you're only then you're then you're skewed from the very beginning. That's all there is. To I do it. not. I put it in no uncertain terms. I do not want Prager's religion. Right. Right. It's not. It. It has no. He keeps saying it's morality. Like it's a moral religion. He in. Um. I think he's a good guy. I think he could, you There's know, none good. what I mean is this, what I mean, <laughs> let me clarify. 
like if I had a Mormon neighbor, like I say, Hey, can you, can you feed my dog while I go on a road right, trip? Right, right. And I'm I get what you say. I get what you're That's saying. what I mean. I just had to put, I had to throw that in there uh, uh, another time. But when time. it comes to eval- God's evaluation of the soul, right? There is none good, only in Messiah. And we, we were not good. And, you know, we didn't become good. And then God uh, loved us. This gets us back to our. This our makes me think of Yom my Teruah, right? That, that God and like we read Genesis twenty-one. God visited Sarah just as He promised. It's it's about God's timing. It's about His sovereign will and His big picture plan and His wisdom, His perfect counsel, not about our expectations and trying to work things out on our own. And um, so while He says, you know. He would say, oh, this is all New Testament stuff. I think it's right there, right there in the Bible. In this, the show has, this show has reminded me that I miss my friend Mikhail. Buddy, send me some more uh, Calvinistic memes. All right, brother. Good to talk to you. We will be back next week. I hope that this, uh, you know, that we've done something to spark something in your mind. Um, I have already put in the show description a link to the full two-hour conversation between Prager and Peterson if you'd like to watch that. And Adam Carolla's in the earlier yeah. part. You can also shoot us a, a voice message, 253-465-3205. You can send us an email, com. Thank you so much, everybody. We will be back next week. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.